Today on Blue 58, a football team is a fragile thing, and some pieces are a bit more precariously balanced than others. Today, we're going to take a look at a few guys who are crucial to keeping this year's team in good shape. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. Got a fun announcement to start today's episode. The voting is over for the 2022 Blue 58 Podcast Scholarship and the winner is the Father-Son Packers Podcast. We are excited to welcome them into the world of Packers Podcasting. I've been in touch with the winners. They are very excited to get working on that and You'll probably be hearing from some more from them in the relatively near future as we work to get their show off the ground. But very excited. Thank you all for voting. It was a hotly contested race. Some very close vote counts. In the end, Father Son Packers podcast comes out on top, and we will wait very excitedly to hear their first episode in the very near future. Something fun happened this week on the way home from work. It was actually just yesterday. I record this on a Tuesday. Yesterday, coming home from work. Something fun happened. It's one of my most favorite things of the year because now it feels like football season is officially underway. I know Packers training camp started last week, but yesterday on the way home from work, my route took me past the high school football practice fields, very close to where I live. And I got a little feeling inside. Football season is here. And it's that sight of football practice that really kicks things off for me. And it makes me nostalgic. Because as I sit at my house, if I listen closely on August and September and October nights, I can hear something. Something that sounds very familiar. It's the sounds of football practice. This is not that actual practice, just some ambience I found on the internet, but it sounds a lot like this. And seeing that practice firsthand takes me back. And it makes me remember why I do this and why I think all of us continue to follow this sport. I know not everybody who listens to this podcast or follows football played football, but seeing practice, seeing Packers practice takes me back to the time when I got to do that. And it's been 15 years since I put on a football helmet and pads, but listening to stuff like this just brings it all back. So many sights and sounds and smells and tastes, actually. The taste of a, a rubber mouth guard. The smell of football practice. Very distinctive smell. If you played, you know. The feeling of anticipating practice. I was one of those weirdos who loved practice just as much as the the games. Uh, I wasn't the sort of person who asked the teacher for homework, but it feels like it's a related sort of thing. So I can think of, you know, it'd be understandable if you wondered that. But football season is here. Football season is here. And seeing those little reminders just makes me excited for the season, excited to watch the Packers, excited to buckle down and watch preseason football starting next week. It's all so close. And we get to have another season of just chasing little memories of that feeling. NFL football is great. But I think there's something special about, you know, playing when you're a kid. Playing with your friends. You experience football in a different way. Heck, if it was just going to high school games. Or when you were younger, or maybe slightly older, going to college games. Experiencing that in a community is special. And I think that's a special part of 
this entire experience that we shouldn't forget. We shouldn't forget how fun it is to experience this game as a community together. That's something that I look forward to every year. And I'm glad to have you along for the ride this season. Packers camp. Just some news and notes before we dive into the main topic today. Sammy Watkins is back. Good news for the Packers because I think we can really start to see the wide receiver room take shape with Watkins on the field. In theory, with everybody healthy, Watkins should probably be the Packers' second wide receiver right now. Other guys are going to come along, but in terms of the one and two targets in the Packers' offense, it should be Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins to start. So having Watkins back on the field is crucial because then you can start to see where the other pieces begin to fit in. Romeo Dubs is off to a great start. You've got to find out where he fits into the overall picture, and you can't do that without the rest of the pieces in that picture on the field. Randall Cobb has something to say about how this receiver room looks, but again, seeing where he fits into that is going to be, it's going to have to shake out in light of those other guys on the roster. What kind of opportunities does he get in light of Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins? Christian Watson is going to take some time to come along, but the guy who's going to have to fill that kind of role while he's out is going to be Sammy Watkins. So having him back on the field is huge for the Packers. Christian Watson, of course, is still out. And I was going to pull the audio of Matt LaFleur talking about his injury, but for one thing, he really didn't say anything. And for another, we've got really the most disappointing news of all, that there is no timeline for when he'll be back. Now, there is a caveat to that. Matt LaFleur says he's just not going to talk about timelines for any injury going forward, which is understandable because, um, well, if if you don't know, you don't know. But it's also discouraging because if it was a minor thing that he's going to be back just in a couple days, he could just say that. And the fact that he's not saying that, I think, is concerning. And it's putting Watson further and further behind here. If you want to look for a silver lining for Watson here, it's that although he has a different skill set than a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that is probably going to be his role for the 2020 Packers. 2022 Packers just run straight in one direction, and we'll figure out how to get you the ball from there. And then you build up the rest of his role around that. That's That was the development curve for MVS. Never really got much further than that. But if he could do that in 2022, you've basically taken care of what you need. Because Alan Lazard is going to be the chain mover. He's also going to do a lot of stuff out of the slot. Randall Cobb is going to do stuff out of the slot. They need outside speed. Watson, if nothing else, should have that and should be able to offer that. The other big story out of training camp this week so far is that the defense is looking sharp. Not super surprising. Uh, Generally speaking, the defense is further along than the offense at this point in in the season. And that's the sort of thing you might see pop up from time to time. So what do we mean by that? So this is the installation period of camp. Uh, teams are putting in their small packages, um, you know, your, your outside zone runs, your inside zone runs, your play action passing, your, your standard drop back passing, your shotgun passing, all of those things are going through. And I think the offensive installs are just a little bit more complicated than what the defense has going on. So it's easier for the defense, I think, to get up to speed and they can look further along than the offense. On top of that, just on paper, I think the defense is probably just more talented than the offense, so they should be showing out a little bit more. It doesn't make me concerned about the offense at this point. It also doesn't make me overly confident in the defense because we are just here barely a week into camp. So let's not get too excited either way, or excited or discouraged either way. 
The last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of news and notes on the Packers was Jake Hansen. I think it's worth taking another look at him because I was pretty down on him throughout the offseason and through our, our, our preview period, just not expecting a whole lot from him. But showing you what I know, uh, he's been getting some serious work with the ones on offense. He's been playing first-team guard quite a bit. Now, the Packers are looking at a lot of different alignments for their, their offensive line, but I think it is worth refreshing our memories on who Jake Hansen is as a player and what we can really expect of him. The We'll do the last part there first. I don't think the expect, expectations are all that different than they were. I'm still not looking at, at like a huge you know, role for him in 2022. But the fact that he is getting first team looks is in itself noteworthy. So let's recap the story so far. Hanson was a pretty solid college player. Two-time All-Pac-12 second team at Oregon. Started 49 games for the Ducks over four years there, and he didn't allow a sack over his first three years there. Dating back to high school, he's actually more of a tackle prospect than an interior offensive line prospect. He was recruited as a tackle, but converted to center at Oregon, getting on the field there as a redshirt freshman. If you're looking for holes in his game, uh, it starts with size. He is tall but light. Six foot five, two hundred ninety-six pounds at Oregon. He bulked up to three hundred four by the time of the NFL Combine, and that's about where he is right now, apparently. Uh, the Packers took him in the sixth round in 2020, and he spent all of the 2020 season on some combination of the practice squad and the practice squad injured reserve list because he dealt with a couple little injury issues and uh, COVID-19, which a lot of people dealt with in 2020. In 2021, he was active for five games for the Packers, played six snaps on offense and 13 on special teams. So it's not like we're dealing with a big sample size here. Uh, though the special team's value, I think there is noteworthy as the Packers, as you may have heard, are going through a bit of a transition period uh, on special teams as Rich Passaccia gets gets his system underway there in Green Bay. So, so far he's played with the ones, primarily at guard, it seems. It is a surprise, but not entirely out of the ordinary for what the Packers have done. Historically, the Packers have loved to take guys with tackle backgrounds and move them inside. And you're stretching the, the timeline back there considerably further, looking at him back to high school as a tackle prospect, but it's not not entirely out of the realm of possibility either that they look at that too. He's kind of having a weird version of the J.C. Treader career arc. Uh, he's probably going to end up at some combination of center and guard and tackle in the NFL, though not, it seems like tackle is probably out, so let's, let's rule that out, but some weird combo of those three over the life of his football career. Um, Interesting story to monitor, especially since he's playing ahead of Sean Ryan, the Packers' third-round pick this year. Ryan penciled in uh, with the with the second team at guard, though I'm sure the Packers would love to see him put a little bit of heat on Hanson in the meantime. We started this podcast um, talking about well positive football feelings, and I have to do a little bit of a conf- confession at this point in the podcast. I have something of a how do I put this? Dark tendency at this point in the year. Because the number one question on my mind at this time of year, every single year, is who is going to be the first person the Packers lose for the year? I'm obsessed with that question every year at this time. I can't stop thinking about who's going to be the first guy we hear about who has the season-ending injury. And if you want to talk about me jinxing it or whatever, that's fine. If you believe I have that kind of power, 
appreciate the compliment, uh, but it is a sort of dark obsession. Last year, I believe it was Randy Ramsey. And you just know at some point in training camp, we're going to learn that someone has had an injury and that's going to be it for them for the year. And you're hoping that it's not anybody on either of the first teams um, for the you know, first team offense or first team defense. Or I guess for me personally, you're hoping that it's not any of the rookies because it's just a huge bummer to lose a guy who's a draft pick in his first season. Just you have to wait an entire year to see what you're going to get from him. So I was relieved to learn that Discord user QHM is not the uh, joins me in this sort of uh, perverse seems like too strong a word. Again, dark obsession, we'll say that. Because he dropped this little nugget into our Discord chat the other day. So I was thinking, he writes, about the way we talk about the Packers, and I had a thought. Generally, I think Packers media, and probably all NFL team-specific media, talks about what will go right to help the team succeed. And while this is definitely something we're talking about, I think it's interesting to look at sort of the reverse. What things going wrong would have the biggest impact, excluding the obvious of a Rodgers injury? If the Packers organization was a game of Jenga, what blocks are supporting the most weight? Now, I think this is a good question, one worth thinking about, especially as we look at things from a roster-building perspective, because inevitably, as you build your roster, there are going to be weak spots. There are going to be areas that you just can't spend as much as you would like to in terms of resources. You just can't have first-round picks at all 53 spots. You would like to, but you can't. It doesn't work out that way. So some places end up being weaker than others, and some of those are made worse just by the overall structure of your team. So what are those pieces on the Packers? Who are the Jenga pieces that could bring down this entire thing, or at least make things a lot worse? We don't have to talk about Aaron Rodgers, because I think that one is obvious. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, the Packers are in serious trouble. Even, I think, if you are a big Jordan Love fan, you would concede that there is a significant drop-off from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Going from any starting quarterback to your backup quarterback is going to just about doom an NFL team. It's a kind of media obsession to focus on how these teams can get a backup quarterback that's going to keep a team afloat. I remain skeptical about that sort of thing really existing. There may be a couple instances throughout the league. I think if you look at the league as a whole, there really isn't 32 starting caliber quarterbacks in the in the NFL. There are 32 starters. Not all of them, if teams were happy, would be the starters. So finding a, a backup who can help you win games on top of that, all right, well, maybe. But I'm not super – I don't really believe in the, in that sort of thing, I guess. So beyond Aaron Rodgers, who are the Jenga pieces? I've got five for you. Three on defense, two on offense. We'll start with defense. The first guy that comes to mind for me is Kenny Clark. Because Kenny Clark is an A player amid a group of Bs. Now the Packers defensive line is stronger than it's been in quite some time. But if Kenny Clark goes down, I think you find yourself in a situation where you have to rely not so much on talent, but more on depth. 
you have to have a bunch of good players rather than just having one really good one, which is a problem because it changes the way that you can deploy your personnel. Do you think it could ever get away with playing just two down linemen if Kenny Clark isn't one of those two linemen? That's something the Packers have liked to do a lot over the past two years, but can you do that without Kenny Clark on the field? So if you have to replace Kenny Clark by going from two guys to three, that affects you elsewhere on your defense because three down linemen probably means just one inside linebacker on the field, which in turn means you're choosing between Devondre Campbell or Quay Walker, but not both which is a key reason that the Packers wanted to have both. You wanted to have them both on the field at the same time. Or if you go with Campbell and Walker and your three down linemen, plus two edges, that really limits what you can do in terms of your defensive backs. You're in a really heavy front at that point. So removing Kenny Clark from your linemen causes some cascading issues. And that's something that we're going to talk a lot about here in this little segment, cascading issues. Because I think if you're looking at the vulnerable pieces on the Packers, you're looking for those guys who, by removing them, you're going to cause those cascading issues. Kenny Clark, in addition to just taking Kenny Clark off the field, causes the Packers to have to compensate uh, by doing some other things that also weaken the defense, which will be a problem if Clark ever has to come off the field. The next guy is Rashawn Gary. While Kenny Clark is an A amid a group of Bs, Rashawn Gary is an A at a position group with another maybe B plus and then no depth behind them. Andy Herman of Packer Report and a couple other places were tweeting this week about how it looks like Tipa Nalii and Ladarius Hamilton are edge three and four right now behind Gary and Smith. And we don't have to go too far down that rabbit trail before we start having some concerns about the overall depth. I mean, I've probably been as high on Naliai as anybody, and I'm still not super thrilled about the prospect of rolling into the season with him as your third edge rusher. With Gary on the field, people have to account for three really good pass rushers. If Gary comes off the field, it's one really good pass rusher in Kenny Clark and one guy who's just pretty good rushing by himself. And I think that's a situation that is much, much easier to neutralize. It becomes much easier to double a guy like Kenny Clark and and put a single protector and then a chip on Preston Smith, and you're probably in pretty good shape. If it's just Gary and Clark out there, you're still in pretty good shape. But if it's Gary, if Gary is gone and it's just Clark and Smith, I think you're, you're in a little bit of trouble from a pass rush perspective. Removing Rashawn Gary really would hurt the Packers' pass rush, and that's that's something that should be obvious. He's a a great player in the making. But I think, again, it's a cascading issue sort of situation. Taking him off the field doesn't just hurt your pass rush. It makes it easier for your opponent to neutralize those other guys too. A bit of a different player for number three on defense, Adrian Amos. I think he's the linchpin of the entire secondary. If you take Adrian Amos off the field a bunch of other people's responsibilities change too. For starters, Darnell Savage's responsibilities change. What is he going to do without Adrian Amos on the field? Does he play closer to the line of scrimmage? Does he play deeper? Can you do two safety looks deep with just Darnell Savage and whoever the third safety is? And speaking of, 
if Amos is out of the lineup, you're going to need a heck of a lot more from your third safety, whoever that is. And we don't have anything resembling a good answer on that question right now. Safety changes would also affect the people playing in front of the safety too. So if you're looking in the Packers cornerback room right now, what is the big strength of a guy like, say, Rasul Douglas? Well, last year it was that he could take a lot of risks. He made a lot of those big plays gambling a little bit. Can you gamble quite as effectively without a safety net behind you? I think the answer is obviously no. So your corners are going to have to play differently without reliable safety help too. In addition, though this may be a smaller thing, Darnell Savage has, you know, played a little bit of nickel slot over the past couple of years. Not a lot, not a lot as, or not as much as a lot of people would like him to. But if Adrian Amos is out and Savage's responsibilities change, that changes your calculus at that spot too. So Amos being out causes Darnell Savage to have to do things, which in turn changes what you can do with your cornerbacks from a deployment scenario and from a playing style scenario. That's a big problem too. Switching over to offense, the first guy that comes to mind as being a potential cascading issue causer is Alan Lazard. Lazard is less an issue of being an A player among a group of Bs than being the most dependable or most known quantity among a bunch of question marks. So just a refresher, let's look at the Packers in no particular order, top seven receivers. It's Alan Lazard, right? The presumed number one. Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubs filling out some of the rest of the top five. Beyond that, Amari Rogers, and then maybe Danny Davis or Samori Ture. How many of those guys do you feel really confident about as NFL players in 2022? Sammy Watkins, I think, is a walking question mark. We're going to need to see it from him before we believe that he can be any kind of answer for the Packers in 2022. Randall Cobb, as as much as we've liked him over the years on this podcast and just as Packers fans in general, we're, we're on the back nine of his career and probably closer to hole 16 or 17 uh, than, you know, 10 or 11. Christian Watson, obviously a very much a work in progress. The work hasn't even really started at the NFL level. Romeo Dubs is lighting up camp so far, but he's still a rookie day three pick playing in the NFL. Mari Rogers, my thoughts on him are well articulated at this point. And then you've got Danny Davis and Samori Ture. If you're walking into any NFL game with them as wide receiver two or three, things have probably gone terribly wrong. Lazard is really the only known commodity. He's the only guy where you can be like, all right, we're going to go out and we're going to say, this is what we've got at receiver and fill in the other things around him. If you remove him from that group, what does your wide receiver room even look like? You're probably, if it's week one right now, if you look at two outside receivers and a slot guy, you've got Sammy Watkins probably, Romeo Dubs because Watson is out, and Randall Cobb. That is okay, I guess. Is that a NFL wide receiving room in 2022? Is that the 11 personnel that you want out there? That's a big problem, I think. Who are you going to look look for on third and eight in that scenario. Randall Cobb probably is who you feel best about. Do you feel great about that in 2022? Randall Cobb getting you eight yards on third down? I don't feel wonderful about that. And I like Randall Cobb a lot. 
So Lazard is obviously, I think, a, like a, a tentpole sort of player for the Packers this season. Finally, Josh Myers, the last guy I'd like to talk about here. I feel like after a couple of years of stability, we are circling back to a question that I asked for what felt like years and probably was. Who is the Packers' backup center right now? If Josh Myers was hit by a bus tomorrow, who would be snapping the ball for the Packers in practice? Now, In a normal circumstance, you would just have Elton Jenkins fix all of your problems. In fact, if Elton Jenkins, if I had the money, I would probably just have Elton Jenkins hang around my house because it seems like no matter what you need him to do, he can make things better for you. But Elton Jenkins has a torn ACL right now, or he's recovering from a torn ACL. And even if he's ahead of schedule, he's a ways away. And with no Elton Jenkins, there is no obvious fixer behind Josh Myers. Now, there are some options. Jake Hansen is one. We've talked about him. The Packers seem to be thinking of him as a guard right now. But in theory, he is at least an option at center. Zach Tom, I think, has to be an option, too. He played there in college. We've talked about him since the moment he was drafted as an interior offensive line option. And both of those options are good because they don't necessarily wildly destabilize other positions. But you are hurting depth. And if it's not one of those two guys, it's somebody who's a big question mark on the offensive line. And say that it is Jake Hansen. Just walk through this for for a second. Right now, go with the ones on the offensive line. It looks like from left to right, the thing that we've seen most frequently is Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, and Royce Newman at right tackle. If Myers would get hurt, say you slide Hansen in at center, you probably move Newman over in at guard on the right side, and then you probably pop Zach Tom in on the right side. Now, instead of being able to slot in one guy and fix one position by making one position weaker, you're having to rearrange three spots. You need a backup at center, you need to figure out right guard then, and then you also have to figure out right tackle. And your right tackle option in this scenario is a rookie. That's not great. So I think center is a weakness for the Packers still. Or again, I guess maybe we should say. It was a weakness before. Now they're waiting for Elton Jenkins to come back. It's a weakness again. This is not to say that the Packers have a lot of holes, because if you looked at any NFL team, you would find similar scenarios here. You would find that removing one player from a couple positions suddenly makes an entire unit, offense or defense, look dramatically different. I think just in terms of an exercise, though, this is a good thing to think about because it helps you identify weaknesses on your own team. And if you're looking for solutions, if you're looking for ways to shore up that weakness, finding some help at edge rusher would probably solve at least two of these issues. Because if you have another edge who's reliable, if Kenny Clark goes down, you just play three edges and bump Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith inside. That's at least one way to shore up some issues here, and I think that's probably the way that Brian Gutekunst thinks of these uh, position or roster-building questions. Where can we shore up multiple places at once? If only there was a similar solution for the offensive line, but can't solve everything at once, I suppose.
That's all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. I'd appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show, which is the number one way that we grow. Your word of mouth helps Blue 58 grow each and every week, and I am appreciative of those of you who take the time to share this podcast with other people you think will enjoy it, because that's going to get more people involved in this conversation we're having about the Packers, which in turn helps all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.